What's up? Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. We do not have TJ, the Emperor, with us today. So sad. Uh, we generally record these on Thursday evenings. Yes. Kason yep. was super busy. This has happened do to it. me too. This happens times. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling or, or whatever yeah, it might be. Yeah. And so uh, we couldn't do it yesterday. And TJ was traveling today. So he's out of town How about that? Uh, for the weekend. So uh, he'll rejoin us again in a future episode. But I think we can hold the fort until he returns, even though we've never played this game before. We ended yeah. last episode with Ziggy and Momo escaping yep. from that. What was that? What did they even call that? Oh, thing? it's the coolest thing, but it's like, I don't know what it's called. It used to be, it's an old religious relic. Yes. Whatever it is, it's like it used to be some, have some religious purpose. That's all I know. Yeah. And it looks kind of like a crossy looking Something shape. like that. Yeah, maybe like a star-ish with like a long. Like a um, space station. Yes. Also a bit like the Skyhook from... Empire's, Shadows of the or, Empire. Yep, Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Skyhook. But this one looks more like it's made of rock and not so much like metal. Yeah, right. Right, so it looks like it's, it's a piece of a planet. Kind of element. Something that looks maybe a little less, well, a little more natural, I'd say. Yeah, natural then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it. Uh, we talked about how Ziggy had sensed or noticed something and we kept looking at the footage to try to find out what he was looking at. Yes, and uh, I couldn't see nothing. Couldn't so. see anything. Yeah, that was, uh, that was funny. He he sort of, but we talked about how it, it goes, the reason why we were both kind of perplexed by this is because it he returns to that again. So it's not just it yes. happens in the moment. And then on their departure, yeah, he flashes back and we're still, at that point, it's like we have to be seeing something. We have yes. to. Yeah. And he's like remembering, sensing something that he couldn't quite figure out. Yeah. I can't see anything in the flashback. Yeah. TJ uh, said, uh, well, all will be revealed in, in due time. In due time. But we like, <laughs> we like our predictions, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Couldn't see anything. Anyway, he, he, tells, he says to Momo, uh, find a trade column and short jump us out of here. I want to get back to our return path once we shake off the pursuit. So they are being yeah. pursued by ships from. Yeah, very enemy forces. And um they Momo can like connect right in with the ship. Yep. Right? Almost just with her mind. She connects and she's more or less driving it just with her mind. That's pretty cool. Yep. So they jump. And we kind of go back and forth between Momo and Ziggy. Yeah, a couple times being chased and then like you know, joshing around back on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh back and forth a little bit. So when we go back to the Elsa, we have Shion and Matthews, Tony, uh, Alan for sure. I don't know. Is Hammer there? I can't remember if Hammer's oh, geez. also there. Oh, I can't remember. I think it's just the four of them. I think it's Tony, Matthews, and then Alan and Shion. But uh, I'll put the freaking game on the screen so we'll know exactly how many people there. She made a, some kind of meal that they're all eating. And they're and all super stoked because they just eat like garbage. Yes. <laughs> like they don't eat well at all. And she shows up and it's, they, they have their own like kitchen yes. on this, like right. a really nice looking diner. Like a, like a mess hall. Yeah. yeah. But it, I don't know. It looks more like a restaurant. It looks nice. Um, and, but they, I guess just whoever, whoever cooks and it's like nothing. It's not but then she good. shows up and she's cooking like this special dish. So they talk about like the presence of a woman being on board. Yeah, it's like it's kind of weird. <laughs> you know, it creates a different dynamic and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like dudes, you can uh, you can cook as well. Like yeah, anybody well. can learn to cook. 
Um, let's see. So, yeah, they're kind of just joking back and forth about that. Matthews continues to almost like insist that like he doesn't think it's good while he keeps eating it. Like he <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you don't know. bother a man while he's eating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, cause, yeah, that's so funny. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's way into his food. Yeah. Um, Matthews, I, I took a note here. Uh, Matthews asks for water and Alan timidly asks if he can have some too, right? Can, can I also have some? Yeah. And Shian apologizes and says she hadn't noticed that his glass was empty. <laughs> this bothers him. So this is this is kind of um, Alan's thing that they've built up. This is going to be a running joke. Yeah, yeah. like Alan, everybody just sort of overlooks Alan. This is like yes. Alan's personality trait for the moment. <laughs> yes, and it bothers him, but he just doesn't have any presence, I guess. Yeah. And he always has this worried look about him. Every time you see him, he's kind of, he just looks a little little worried. Yeah. A little, like he doesn't really know what's going on or if he's should be where he is at right. the moment or not. Yeah. It's funny. He lacks confidence. Yes, very much so. Um, but he's not incompetent. I think that right. of, of all the characters we've seen so far, he seems to act the most rationally of anybody. Oh, yes. He's very rational. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah. I Yeah, as far as competence goes, this is so funny because there's a, a scene later on where I can't remember their names. So which one's Hammer? Is Hammer the guy Hammer, who looks like um, Justin Bieber? So, well, <laughs> they kind of both do, but Tony... <laughs> I mean, which one's wearing a wife beater and which one has Tony, like... Tony is the wife beater, like, pilot. Okay, and Hammer, Hammer is, is the navigator. The nerd dude. Yes. <laughs> right, they both look like Justin Bieber. <laughs> okay, Tony looks very young. That's true. That is true. Yes. Okay, so Tony yeah. brings up, oh, I'll go I'll go with Alan, but I'm not sure what his actual use is. Like, I don't know how useful he is. It's sure. really funny. Yeah. And Hammer's kind of the mechanic of the ship, too, so he'll, like, uh, he, yeah. he, he does repairs, um, he's the navigator, so I guess he's the one like charting uh, courses, and mm. then Tony's the one who actually flies the thing, and the Matthews is like the captain, and then we have got chaos, of course. But okay, gotcha. um, okay. So I took another note here. There's no use crying over spilled milk, which I think Sheon says to Alan in in regards to him talking about the tragedy that just unfolded with the Gnosis attack and all their comrades and oh, crewmates right. dying. Yeah. And I was, I, I was, uh, I was huh. stung by how insensitive a remark. There's no use in crying over spilled milk is in regards to that. <laughs> what a baby. What a baby, Alan. What? Grow a what? spine, dude. <laughs> like, what's your deal, man? <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. I was, like, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> now, from what I've heard, this hasn't been the case for me so far. Like, I, I like Shion just fine as a character at oh, this I think point. She's good. I think she's a good character, at, I mean, from what I've seen so far. But uh, it seems to me like uh, there's a sentiment among people who've played Xenosaga that, that she's a really annoying character. And huh, it's lines like this that maybe are starting to, starting to illuminate a little bit of the reason why. Like, she just... Uh, she just seems pretty insensitive at times. <laughs> not, like, not like maliciously... But just I don't know, almost like she's got she doesn't have the social awareness to mm. know that that's not what you say about I don't know how many crew members were on that ship that died. <laughs> I, I all of them, I think, right? A couple hundred, <laughs> couple thousand. Um, at, to uh, a point that TJ had made earlier, um, it does seem as though Shion has trouble connecting with other humans, yes. and she'd much rather spend her time with robots. So that definitely could be the source of a lot of the awkwardness. Yeah. 
I think that that's true. And like, I mean, sure, I guess you could see that as being like, oh, it's annoying. But I mean, that it's part of the. It's it's a purposeful thing for. The yeah, characters. it makes sense. It's yeah. clearly meant to be that way, right? Yeah. So, um, she also. This is the comment I think we had touched on a little bit in the last episode, but we didn't get up to this point where she calls him a racist. Oh, uh, right, right. Because he was being suspicious about the, the crew of this ship, the, the, the um, Matthews and Tony and Hammer. Right. Uh, he, he had done some, uh, some kind of research on them or, or, or looked into the ship logs or whatever he had done. He had found out that they're associated with this Kukai Foundation. Um, yeah. He says that place is bad news. I heard rumor that it's just crawling with mutants. Now, because I, I, you had brought, you had said yeah. this in in the last episode too. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, why is this comment racist? Are we talking about like racism against mutants? Right. I think she's. Because I believe these experiments or the Kukai Foundation is from Milsha, which is the planet, or original Milsha, or old Milsha, yeah, the yeah. one that is not there. Milsha anymore. 1. Yeah, where the tragedy happened or whatever. Yeah. I think that that's where the Kukai Foundation was, like, doing these experiments. And so mm. I got the sense at first, like, racism against mutants, I was a little confused. But I right. think what she's talking <clears throat> about is the Kukai Foundation... She's that 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 he his his sentiments are racist toward Milshans who did this, if that makes sense. Got you. I don't I don't know really what to I don't know add either. to that, but we'll we'll find out more. I suppose <laughs> I don't know either. But like it, it was a little bit hard to parse what she was yeah. talking about in in terms of the accusation accusation of racism towards him. Whether he whether she's upset that he's referring to these people as mutants right. or that she's referring to the people of the planet who do this kind of stuff or who are involved in Kukai Foundation or that he's suspicious of them basically just because I don't know it, it was yeah. a weird comment racism implies some genetic something or other I mean I don't I just don't know what exactly is going on here it could be we see the Kukai and then they're you know all of a very obvious race yeah, right. and it's like okay okay now the racism accusation makes sense but I just yes. don't know anything about them so it's just it doesn't it's just a weird thing right there now this is i'm going to address this real quick too this is something that we've had some people commenting on in the comments the once or twice i've decided to go look at them (laughs) um people keep telling us read the database read the database read the database okay so like um um yes how long is it (laughs) i don't have forever i mean i like (laughs) we i don't know There's a reason why the Xenogear one was like 21 episodes or something like that. Yeah. Like, we can't play for too long every day. Um, I could probably, even at work, I could probably just read the database, though. Yes. I, I've been thinking that, like... Um, Maybe next next week. Next week. So, the, these notes are a little bit old. Um, I, I haven't, like, gone back to my playthrough in a few days because we got a little bit ahead and everything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, at the time I saw that comment, I was like, oh, yeah, like... There's this whole database thing. Yeah, it exists. That we could probably be looking through. This brings up the yeah. whole kind of... Um, it's interesting. I, I, I guess I just wanted to ask you this real quick. Because this mm. is a whole controversy in, say, like Final Fantasy thirteen, Which is mm. that you have to spend so much time reading like data logs to oh. understand like the world building. 
Um, and people, there are some people who feel that information should be given through exposition or through the storyline, not through yeah. uh, sort of like a, an optional choice on the player's part to just go digging through like paragraphs of text in this data log right. to, to learn about like how the world works. Um, that's not like the first thing I want to do while I'm playing Xenosaga is like, oh, I don't know what the Kukai Foundation is. Brrr, take pause after this long cutscene yeah. and just go read, 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 read. But I do think that uh, we can probably do a better job when I have questions like this in my notes to just go straight oh, to the sure. wiki or yeah. the database. Because it's not like I have this question about everything. It's just in certain instances, I'm confused. What's she talking about? Who's he races against? Like, are the Kukai a race right. or are they just a, a company? Well, and I really wish I paid more attention to the to the Japanese word used there. Sure. It could have been uh, something a lot less, uh, what would the word be? A lot less powerful of a word than the charge of racism. It could have been something more, it, it could have been something a little bit different. Yeah. In fact, you, I don't know the word for racism in <laughs> Japanese. Uh, um. Oh, you're playing the game in Japanese. I am, yes. Right? Okay. I have a few notes in Japanese later on. Okay, but... cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, in that case, uh, we'll just move on from that note. Okay. Uh, well, they did bring up Species Preservation Act again. Um, yes, the Species Preservation Act, which enables the ability to revive dead people, right? Yeah. I, they I, call I th- it a species. That's just interesting. Yeah. That makes me think that it started out as something used for animals. And uh, it slowly grew to encompass humans, mm-hmm. um, at least in part because as the technology progresses and as humans learn that they're not that different from animals, right. they just become seen as animals in yeah. a different way. <clears throat> I, I think what Alan says here is, um, sure, it's a well-known fact that the Kukai Foundation... Oh, no, wait, this is this is Gion talking, I think. Mm. It's a well-known fact the Kukai Foundation was established by the Milshin government, so it is a Milshin government right. organization. Is she on a Milshin? Like, I know she lived in Milsha, but is she a Mil- is she a Milshin? I believe she is natively born on Milsha. Okay. I believe. So, so she's a Milshin. So he's racist against her? That's the sense <laughs> that Kay. I got wh- because it didn't make sense otherwise. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. But anyways. All right. The Kukai Foundation was established by the Milshin government as a specialized military group but they only held the status until the completion of the post-war proceedings. Right. Although they haven't gotten around to demilitarizing quite yet, they've been run like any other valid foundation nowadays. So it was like... So she's defending the company. Yes. So she's it's defending like, oh, the Kukai Foundation. I don't like these people. You're racist and the company's just perfect. It's like saying, oh, I don't like Apple or the... And it's like, no, you're racist. Right? Like, <laughs> okay. But but it's really, the, I don't like Apple. <laughs> like, like yeah, like the, the product, like the things, the you know, uh, the organization itself is what he's complaining about, and she's—I I don't know. Anyway, well, it, I, I don't yeah, get hung up on that too. Much. I don't either because we don't know, and we're just talking in circles. Uh, <laughs> although they haven't quite gone around. Right okay, I read that part. You know, as a matter of fact, their current director received a lot of praise for taking in and protecting victims in the days before the Species Preservation Act. Hmm. He's really to be commended. Now, this guy's name was uh, Gaigen Kunkai, who yeah. founded the Kunkai Foundation. So, Gaigen, that, and there is a backstory to that. Gaigen yes. is the name of um, a character from a legend, a French legend, called the, the Sword of Roland. 
Oh, wow. Uh, the Legend of Roland. It's uh, from France. And I don't have this for quite a while because, anyways, we meet other people with a similar name. Sure. And, um, yeah, there's a couple references to, um, to what's it called? I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's something about Roland, right? So it's the legend of Roland, right? And it was written like a thousand years ago. And uh, it's an old, old French thing. It's like their version of King Arthur. There's like a special sword. Uh, the sword in this legend is called Durandal. 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 Anyways, hmm. we see some interesting thing about things about the Durandal a little bit later on. Also, so there's a few references Durandal to this legend. Yes, Durandal is in the game. And there's a few um, references to that specific legend. So I'm going to go read that legend. And yeah, maybe we next probably, week we'll some insights we should probably about do that, that for next yeah. week. Yeah, it's and idea. it's called um, uh, the, something about Roland, the, the Sword of Roland or something like that. <clears throat> so then we get chaos coming in. Uh, and... He asks where Cosmos went. Yeah. Um, and Gion, also, I think it had been brought up all, as well. Like, oh, yeah, Cherenkov's not here. Oh, I, I miss him, you know? Right. Cause Where, where'd he go? They had eaten, and it's like, oh, the commander needs to have food, too. I'll, I'll take some food to him. So she's going to, like, take him on a yeah. hot plate, basically. And, you know, Chaos kind of comes in. He's he's curious about where Cosmos is. Yep. Uh, Shion says that um, she's being tuned up or repowered or whatever down in another room uh by that if he wants to talk to her or something like that he's free to do that and he's like okay yeah i'll do that and so he takes off um when he gets down there into the place where she's sort of she's sort of laying down in a in a maintenance bed yeah sort of you know recharging i guess a dentist chair (laughs) and what he says is so we finally meet so where does the real you exist? Yes, that's my note here. Where is the real you? Where does the real you exist? Like there's a reality, there's a sentience to cosmos, um, and it exists in a place that is somewhere else, right? Yes. That is not where we are. That is not where she is, right? Um, then my thought just kind of goes to that little girl, the right. angel girl that uh, Shion keeps seeing, that somehow is related to cosmos in some way, I think, unless... Because uh, it's kind of hard to tell because you've got Shion and she's always around Cosmos. And then you have this girl that she sees in dreams. And I guess I associate the two um, somewhat without reason because it's like, oh, there's Cosmos, but then there's the angel. I kind of assume that there may be a, a similar, mm. you know, being, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have that for sure. That's just my guess. Yeah. There was somebody in the comments, too, who brought up that the little girl looks suspiciously like Ellie or Elheim from yes, Xenogears. I do see that. Uh, I, I don't know if that adds to Shion, the theory or not. Shion looks like Ellie too. I don't know, the hair color. In, in a maybe. certain way. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, so yeah. anyways, we, we've already talked about how mysterious chaos is, generally oh, very, speaking. Yeah, but this, yeah. this kind of ramps it up even more. Knowing it does. So he knows what, stuff. Yeah, about Cosmos. Cosmos. Then the scene gets even crazier because, like, as as Chaos is on the way out, Tarankov comes in. Yeah. And uh, Chaos sticks behind a little bit to, like, look back and kind of listen in. Um, but Tarankov is, like, he's losing his cool, like, quite a bit. Yeah. And ever, even ever, even going back onto the, I'm never going to get the name of this ship right. The Woglinde. Woglinde. 
Yes. Even going back to there, when he was communicating with Margulis on the intercom, when Margulis brought up, like, you have the weapon with you, like, if a Gnosis attacks, like, at least you've got that. He freaked out. Yeah. Freaked out. He's at like, the, I don't want to have anything to do with be, that. Yeah, because it's yeah. not been through any field testing, is what he says. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So, like, <clears throat> he's really concerned about Cosmos. And he's getting really nervous around her here. Um, we see a flashback where a hooded man gives him, I, I wrote, a hooded man gives him a gamepad because it's exactly what it looks I like. I know. <laughs> it's like half of one, though. It's like a half of one. And you see Ellie, sorry. You see Shion use this a little bit later on, yeah. um, and it it kind of displays information, right? Yeah. It's like a thing that can be used. It probably has multiple uses, um, but yeah, at least in part, it's like half of a gamepad. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. It's got like a D-pad in it. It even has a D-pad, just great, <laughs> which I guess, I mean, there is a practical utility in something sure. like that if you're navigating or moving things sure. around, but yeah. still, it's a game. It's a gamepad. It, it's, a, it's a game controller. Yeah. Um, so then we go inside of this facility after he's been given this instrument, whatever it is, uh, mm-hmm. and it's being taken over by soldiers from the UTIC organization. Is this the first time we've heard UTIC or not? I believe we had heard it before, but this is the time I think, this is the first time we're seeing something what a little more is. specific about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But we'd heard it before because I brought up that a tick is a parasite. That's right. And a I parasite is a vector for That's a disease. Right. I remember that. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so UTIC organization. Yeah. Um, and you are the tick. <laughs> you, the parasite is that's, you. That's what it is. Um, so it shows Shion, and uh, I, don't, I don't remember if I saw Alan in here. Um, uh, but uh, Kevin, maybe Kevin. Or I think I thought I thought I saw the, Kevin in the here. previous. Anyways, person? people from yeah. Division One who right. work on Cosmos, but this was like before the current iteration of Cosmos. This Cosmos looks a little different. It yeah, like there's a, a different look, like a precursor or like. A and I'm going to guess that this was. The incident that had happened previously, yeah. where Cosmos showed up and showed up and killed everyone. Yes. Um, that's my guess. In which case, Cosmos serial number should be zero 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 two. Yeah, you would think. Uh, so maybe Cosmos is an entirely different model altogether. Unless we're doing uh, zero 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 alpha zero zero. Oh uh, yeah, beta there's the alpha beta. <laughs> before you get to one point oh. <laughs> that could be it. Um, what I think is crazy though is that so. So these soldiers show up to this Division 1, right? So Division 1's doing their research. They're doing this stuff with Cosmos. All of a sudden, these UTIC, like people show up. And they're just like, hey, you know, hands up. Do what we say. No one will get hurt. Everything's fine. They wake up Cosmos, and then Cosmos kills all of them. Yes. And it's like, what, what did they think was going to happen? Yeah. I, I suppose they thought it would be safe to take the weapon, but it is so strange. It's I've never seen this before, where, like, these people show up to do, like, a... Like, hey, stick them up. Like, we're going to take the stuff. And then the thing kills, just kills them. And yes. it's like, they, they didn't plan this out. They seemed very organized. But as yes. soon as Cosmo starts attacking, and it wasn't even guns or anything. It was like physical, yeah, she just like the, tearing she everyone just apart. Tears yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty horrific. Um, but she just kills them all right away, almost as if it was nothing. And it's like, yeah. okay, what did what was you take planning? What did they think was going to happen? And right. like, how would they say that this operation went? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's indiscriminate killing too. It's not just yes. the you take guys. The it's, Div the, one. it's the scientists yeah. too. Yep. Uh, Cosmos just starts slaughtering everybody in the room. And, and I don't know why, but there is one soldier person who is not slaughtered, who crawls out and who leaves Yes. And it's Cherenkov. Yes. And he gets outside and Cosmos shows up and I guess she's a 
probably about to kill him. But then this like um, Apache helicopter, what would you call it? This, <laughs> this ship shows up and starts shooting at her. And I yeah. guess she gets distracted and forgets. Yeah. Right? Is that more or less? Uh, yeah. Like, Unless I, there's a reason she didn't kill him, which there may have been. I'm not sure. But it seems like she just kind of forgot. And that's why he was the only survivor. Yeah. I Didn't Shion eventually get control over Cosmos again at the end of the scene or am I totally misremembering that? I don't. Does it cut away before we I actually don't remember. I don't remember how it resolved. So the Cherenkov, Cherenkov, he is wearing a mask the whole time, right? And I think it's uh, important. Up until the helmet. end, he's got a helmet on. Yeah. And so um, Shion wouldn't recognize him. If Shion did recognize him, there would be trouble. Sure. And so they've got a reason why she doesn't know who he is, but he was there the day that Cosmos showed up and killed everybody. Right. Previous Cosmos. Right. So I ju- that's just important to know. And I think that uh, Shion would not be okay. But then it makes me wonder if Cosmos has some recognition of who the commander is. Yeah, that's, well. a, good, that's a good question. My, my instinct wants to say no, but like... Right, because it's a different Cosmos. But right. still, I probably shouldn't even call it Cosmos, but when, I don't know what else to call it. Previous um, model. Pre, yeah, Moto Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, at the same time, I feel like there would be some, they would have borrowed some of that information from the previous model to input into the new model. I don't think they started from scratch. Yeah. So I could be wrong. This is a, this was a really big reveal for me. I, I definitely didn't see this coming, that Trankov was the one responsible for that's crazy. that attack. Yeah. yeah, that's wild. And that it makes you see him in a different light. It's like, okay, what's he doing here? What's he doing in any of this, yes, right? He wasn't, right. he was like a grunt. He wasn't like the main commander, no. right? How did he become this high-level commander? On the Waglinde, yeah. On the Waglinde. And he was a grunt in his previous job that went horribly wrong, but yes. he's the only survivor, so I guess now you're the new commander. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I don't think he was working for the military at the time. He was working for UTIC or something like that. Yeah. And so it, there's so much mystery about his character. And mm-hmm. also, the more I look at his face, the younger he looks. When I first saw him, just because of the white hair, I guess, I assumed he was just an older guy. Yeah. But he, the more we see him, the younger he looks. And maybe that's a personality. As his personality comes out, he's not as stable as right. he once seemed. Right. Um, he's acting a little bit rashly. He's maybe behaving in ways that aren't like what a commander who is experienced would do. Right. Um, and especially in this scene here, after he has this flashback, he pulls his gun on Cosmos and he's about to shoot her. I don't know right. that shooting her would have done anything, by the way. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> She'd have just blasted him away the second he pulled the trigger. Um, but we see him behaving in ways that maybe make me look at him and see him like as a younger character a little bit. Mm. Yeah. So he, we, when we come back to the present out of the flashback, uh, Trankoff asks if, the same archetype from before. Ask yes, if this yes. is the same archetype from before. If it's the same cosmos archetype, archetype from that tragedy that is happened. Is this the same archetype? From that accident. Yes. I mean, it doesn't look the same, so I don't know why he'd ask that, but he, he's right. clearly really concerned about it losing and control. I don't know how they're using the word archetype here. I do believe they used a, it in a similar way in Xenogears. Um, but if... If we're talking about an archetype here, then yes, it would be the same. Oh, sure, that type of archetype. <clears throat> like, like yeah. a, you know, but if he's talking about something else, like yeah. a, a remnant of the former, you know, being sure, which is what I'm talking about by saying that this cosmos carries something of the previous one in in her. Yes, right. um, then I think that's what he might be referring to. Like, is yeah. this the same thing? Right? Yes. Pulls a gun on her. Also, I, I have to bring up that Cosmos has the symbol. Well, the previous Cosmos had the symbol of the Yggdrasil on her. The Y with like the uh, circle. Oh, yep. That yep, was the yep, Yggdrasil yep, from Xenogears. Right. That's right. 
That was great. Um, but he can't bring himself to pull the trigger. I thought that was interesting too. He, he just like it's like he's shaking, he's nervous, and he just like doesn't even end up doing it. Um, uh, so anyway, Shion is on the way down to bring him his food, right? Yes. Uh, she finally makes it, found, finds out where he is and makes it inside. And he's holding the gun. <laughs> yes, holding a gun he to, to Cosmos' head. And <laughs> this was really funny because <laughs> she because she's oh like, gosh. oh, like, what are you what are you talking to Cosmos about? It's like, oh, nothing. But why do you have a gun? Uh, I'm just used to carrying guns because <laughs> of the job. <laughs> it's a habit or something like that. Yeah, is what it's he a says. habit because I'm a soldier. It's a habit. And okay, a handgun? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, and I get the rifle on the shoulder, but it's like, dude, a handgun in your hand. Finger on the like, trigger, you know? Like pointed <laughs> yeah. directly at her head. Like, oh, no. So she says, it you're, was a just, game. you're just looking at her with a gun in your hand? <laughs> He's like, what's your problem? <laughs> a big what, right? Who cares? But once again, she seems to just kind of buy his very shady explanations. Uh, Alan is the yeah. only one who questions anything in this case. So far. <laughs> it's true. It's the it's only totally one. True. Yeah, and what's funny too, and then there's another line here where she accepts what he says because he says, "Oh, it's a bad habit. I just carry a gun around." I don't know how well she knows him, but I Probably he not, never, he, as far as far as we can see, he never has a gun in his hand ever. No. Um, but okay, even when the gnosis were attacking, he was like doing other stuff. He didn't pull out his gun. He was like trying to get rid of the Zohar, right? The emulator. Uh-huh. So Shion brings up this great quote. She says, oh, I, I also know someone who is always carrying around a big sword with a grin on his face. Oh, yeah. I forgot My that My question line. is, really? I forgot that line. You know someone who always carries around a big sword with a grin on his face. Have we seen this character? We will later, if I not. I am sure we haven't. Yet. That's a big... In- okay, is she talking about her brother? Like, if she's talking about someone who carries a sword around and who smiles... I think that's a good guess. I would guess that it's her brother. It's like, oh, that dork, you know, my brother. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's did, always got his sword. Didn't she say... He's into occult, like, religions and stuff, you know? Didn't she say something about his sword collection when they were on the phone? Oh, did she bring that up? I, I vaguely remember this, but I could be totally misremembering. That could be why I jumped to her brother. But we haven't seen her interact with anyone other than her brother that we haven't seen directly, right? So she's around the Div 1 people and like, okay, great. Yeah. all this, But none of them carry swords around. She's talked on a phone to one guy once and we don't know what he looks like or how he acts. So as soon as she brings up that she knows a guy, I'm like, okay, it's got to be her brother. Yeah. Um, but if her brother's got a sword collection, if he's carrying around swords, and if he's got a grin on his face, that's something weird is going on there. And her brother's going to be an important character. <laughs> like, I didn't think that until now. And I'm like, oh, shoot, her brother is somebody. Her brother's like, we're going to meet him later, and it's going to be, I don't know. That's, it's that's, it's going to be a surprise. That's a good context clue to pick up on. That's That does sound right to me, that, now yeah. that you say that. Well, my son carries around a freaking sword everywhere does with he? a grin on his face. <laughs> He's three years old. It's like a fake sword, but you know. Yeah, I, I see that. I'm thinking like, oh yeah, just like a little brother, you know, like, oh perfect. She has yeah. a little brother. How about that? Yeah. I, I this note here, I I was per, I was uh, I think I said this out loud. So Shion says I didn't think she would ever do something like that in reference to Virgil being killed by friendly fire. Oh by yeah, Virgil. yeah, yeah. I was like, really? You really never expected the cosmos could do something after that? (laughs) (laughs) 
after the slaughter of like all the scientists. I, That's I true. never could have imagined Cosmos would kill someone. That's true. But That's what? true. But I guess I guess it's just it was a different Cosmos, right? Even though she was on that team too. Yeah. So she had programmed the previous, yes. co- I guess. Maybe she was a lower level. And then just like how Cherenkov became the commander because he was the only one left, she yes. became the team leader because she was the only one left. Like right. it could be that she had a lower job I before everyone died. And then it's like, okay, hey, well, you're the leader now. The only way I can parse this statement is that you tick coming in, they basically forced Cosmos online as they were going to steal her. Right. They came in and like told them at gunpoint, like, yeah, activate or awaken Cosmos. Which I guess is why com- the commander is so um, hesitant about a non-field tested Cosmos. Because yes. he knows what happens when you right. wake it up before it's properly right. tested. Okay, and that, so that's good context. Shion might think, oh, that only happened because I Cosmos wasn't was the one activated early and it, we oh, were sure. forced to do it. But, but it, that kind of still, that still happened this time though, more yes. or less, right? Like, <laughs> yes. We don't know how yes. she woke up. Yes, we don't that's know. that's true. And Shion, <laughs> she was freaking, I guess she's come to terms with it now, but she was freaking out she about how totally was freaking out. Cosmos just woke up out of nowhere. And now she's like, oh, it's no big. He, it's all good, right? Yeah. Even though Cosmos woke up out of nowhere and then kills Virgil. And yeah. she's still like just defending Cosmos and saying, oh, everything's fine. I don't know now, how to this some, could happen. To some extent, Cosmos is her child, right? And yeah. it's like, oh, my perfect angel child, right? Um, but we've seen her inner thoughts and she should be a lot more shook up about this. Yeah. Okay. So then we cut back to Ziggy. Um, yeah. It seems like at this point they've lost their pursuers. They haven't really, cause we're going to come back and they're going to be <laughs> yeah. chased again. But at this point it seems like they've lost them. And Momo is wanting to go to fifth Jerusalem, uh, where I'm suspecting she knows that her mother is at. Yeah, mother or father. I think they're on this council. I think they're all on yeah, the, something the like space Fifth station, Fifth yeah. Jerusalem, right? Yeah, because this is where she tells him, "Don't bring her here." Right. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's why yeah. Momo wants to go there. She knows about that, and then Ziggy tells her they're not going there; that they're going to be going yep. to Second Milsha, and she's she's ex- sad, extremely disappointed by yeah. this. Yeah, like you know, there's there's definitely something going on there. Like she understands. She understands probably why her mother doesn't want to see her. Yeah. And it's just like it's striking her in that moment. But she won't keep down her optimism, right? She still thinks that, oh, they they love me. They're going to take me back. It's just someday someday it's going to (laughs) happen. Is it now? Is it now? Just like a dog. Anytime I walk to my closet, my dog thinks I'm getting its leash so it can go for a walk. Every time. It's like 30 times I go there and I'm like, no leash, dude. You're not doing it. But (laughs) the 31st time, he'll get excited again and it's like, okay, you're lucky. This time it is the leash. But dude, come on. like (laughs) Not every time. Not every time. But so she gets excited. But I, my, my gut tells me that they haven't, she hasn't seen her parents in a long time. Yeah. Like she's been, they made her, she's too powerful or something she's been kept away all the time and she doesn't really get to be around her parents Mm -hmm. um and so but despite that she has the child the childish innocence of assuming that they're going to come get her any day now right right and that's a very very childlike it's so funny because we don't know how old she is she's a realian she if it's an anime i'm guessing she's probably five thousand. exactly she's probably five (laughs) thousand years old okay the okay four thousand how long how how long is the game in the future (laughs) oh it's four thousand yeah momo was made in 2022 (laughs) and it's you know yeah so four thousand we're we're, we're joking of course yeah we we know cyborgs were existed before realians did yeah we're not stupid (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but, but real quick, um, Momo could easily be like a hundred years old, right? Sure. That's more or less what we're sure. what yeah. we're positing the yeah. possibility. Um, well, maybe not though, because you oh, have because the, she's you have the new. scientists who created her, and that was pretty recent, right? Because she's human. like a new prototype-ish possible new realian kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, maybe she she could actually be fairly yeah. young, maybe teenage. Maybe she's as old as she looks. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, we just don't know that, I guess. Uh, we are revealed the name of the woman who leads the council here. Her name yeah. is Julie Mizrahi. You, Yuli, I think they pronounce Yuli, it. Yuli, okay. Or Huli or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. very nice, very nice. Uh, well, that makes sense, actually, because Mizrahi is a Jewish word, yeah. right? And so the the J in you know Hebrew is more of yeah. a Y, right? Um, so I guess that makes sense. Um, she also has the same symbol, the same alchemical snitch symbol on her back. Um, that so Momo has. It, it Momo has, yeah. yeah. And so it must just be the Mizrahi like symbol. It I must think just it be is. the Mizrahi it's like company a, it's logo. It's like a family sort of, uh, yeah. Yeah. The Mizrahi. Because sigil. she's Momo's mom, and then her husband is the owner of the company. Yeah, the, that Yo- makes the Yokim, Yokim Mizrahi. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So uh, we cut to that council again that I've yeah. seen. There was a lot of dialogue I took down here. This yeah, the, is a very heavy scene expositionally, I feel. Okay. So there's kind of a lot to go through. Um, okay, so they're talking about where they're transporting Momo and why, you know, to second Milsha and everything. Uh, one of the people on the council asks if Yuli really thinks the why data is stored within that realium. The Y data. The Y data. So keeping yeah. a pin in that. <laughs> um, I think um, go ahead. I thought of something along the lines of um, chromosomes, XY, something like that. Just sure. like a genetic thing. Sure. Um, um, then we get this line. We have conclusive evidence that she holds the code to unlock the UMN transfer gate, leading to the uh, sealed off sector. Aside from that, she's pretty much a mystery. We'll just have to open her up and see. See, this is where the UMN is so, so, so mysterious to me because it stands for the Jungian idea, the Unus, unus Mundus, unus mundus yeah. right? But at the same time, it's kind of functions just like the internet, right? It's just the way right. they send information back and forth. But the more we learn about it, the more it's like, okay, it is kind of its own thing though, right? The UMN yeah. isn't just the internet. It's no. like it's like a an unseen pathway through which they can send things, but that into which they have not explored all areas. Well, of this is what like this that. is what they use to gate jump too. The so, UMN, yes. See, so when they're, it's, so when it's different ships than I thought. Gate jump. They're using the UMN to do that, huh. and so there was that pocket of space in that scene earlier. They were yeah. kind of crossing, and they had to get to the other side before they could gate jump again. But it's the UMN that does the gates. Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. So. Huh. I'll read this line again. We have conclusive evidence that she holds the code to unlock the UMN transfer gate leading to the sealed off sector. Okay, then there you go. That makes sense. There's some transfer gate that they can't use Hmm. that leads to some sealed off sector of space. And apparently Momo has the code to open that specific transfer gate. And so they're they're saying we're going to have to open her up and see if she has this Y data hmm. or whatever. It leads to the Gnosis. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Um, okay, so another line I took down. If she doesn't have it, we'll be required to delay the Zohar project. How hmm. will we explain that to the council? Um, 
another line, even if it's lost, we still have one other lead. Let me pull up my documents. This image, I think this is Yuli speaking at this point, this image was processed from the only remaining surveillance camera. The picture's unclear, but that boy served as Joachim's assistant. Judging from the time frame, we believe he was somehow involved with the Y data. Where did that boy come from? The records are missing. The only information we have is that he was 14 and studying at the University of Borneo. Or Bormio? Yeah, Bormio. Bormio. But even that's just secondhand information from Mizrahi. So there's some boy that they have surveillance of working yeah. with Joachim Mizrahi, who they think um, is, is an, an alternate lead to Momo for figuring out whatever this code is. Hmm. Um, who worked with Joachim Misrahi on, on previous experiments or whatever. And it's somebody... It, but they showed the surveillance. I remember seeing something, but I couldn't tell who it was. Yeah, I mean, right. and they even say here, like, it's it's unclear. The picture's unclear. Right, we yeah. can't really tell who he is. We just know he's a boy who was this age, who's studying at this university. I was thinking, like, chaos, but... That's exactly what I was right. thinking, too. There is another character we meet a little later on that could also be it as well, though. So it's like, well, we'll see. Yeah, like I, I thought of Chaos right away. Yeah, because um, Chaos looks younger and seems like there's some mystery about Chaos that right. is unknown. So this could be that. Um, so then we get, uh, oh, they say if the boy was still alive, he'd be 28 years old. Um, hmm. Chaos certainly doesn't look 28 years old. Uh, but no. Age is always like relative in anime, so <laughs> <laughs> you never freaking know how old 28. Yeah. Characters that are hmm. old men are yeah. like thirty-two, like Satan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so th- this is interesting. Um, I don't know how old any of the characters are. No, I don't either. And so that info doesn't mean much, which is fine. I'm not criticizing the writing. It's just um, it's very very mysterious because how old is she on? How long has she been around? I, I can't tell. Good you question. can't tell just yeah. by looking at anime characters how old they no, are. No, never, never. Um, but basically, it's just establishing that this was 14 years ago that this yeah. boy disappeared. Which so. is when the Milsha thing happened, right? Right. The tragedy of Milsha, yeah. I think, happened 14 years Around ago. that same time. From a company with yeah. a name, um, the name of, um, sorry, the name that we had just. Gagnon. The Kukai. Kukai. Oh, Kukai. That's what I'm talking about. Kukai. Right? Yeah. yeah, which is the same. Yeah. Um, Okay, so another quote here. This research paper is on the secondary effects of the Hilbert wave. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they start to sort of wonder about if this boy somehow made his way into Vector, into the company. Like infiltrated it somehow. Oh, wait. So it could be like one of the Vector people. Who fetching knows? Who's 28? (laughs) Who we got? We got got Kevin. We've got Alan, Alan, and I don't know the names of anyone else. Xion, but Xion's a girl. <laughs> Could be her, so. but, but she may have a, a history that she has amnesia and I mean, doesn't they remember. They say the picture's unclear, so I don't know. Maybe they assume it's a boy. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, I don't know why Chaos. That's interesting. I th- we both seem to think that, but I don't know. Chaos is not in. For, just because Chaos is so mysterious. Yes. And any, if anyone has some abilities to like open a gate, it's like Chaos, man. I don't know of any other character that has anywhere near that level of like mystery and potential around them other than Chaos in this yeah. game. Where it's like Chaos, we don't know the limits of his power. Right. Yeah. But he's not in Vector, so it, it, right. that kind of leads me to think it's probably not him. Yeah, but, that's probably true. Um, 
So back when UTIC was still the Mizrahi Cerebral Sciences Research Center. So UTIC used to be Mizrahi. a Mizrahi oh. organization huh. for research. Mizrahi's main patron was none other than Vector. It's certainly a possibility. So they're huh. saying that it's possible this kid got into Vector because Vector was the main patron of uh, Mizrahi's Science Research Center. Interesting. So that's a secondary lead to someone who could possibly get them this code that they need to unlock this transfer gate. Um, okay. Then we cut back to the ship again. Uh, Shion and Alan are talking to each other here. She says, Wow, Alan, I'm surprised. You're usually so hard-headed with your logic and preconceptions, so I was a little worried that you'd become like one of those Wells aliens. I thought that was interesting, that the, the call to Wells. Yeah, they brought it back. And who is this to? This was talking to who? Shion's talking to Alan here. Alan, yeah, yeah. Wow, Alan, I'm surprised. You're usually so hard-headed with your logic and preconceptions, so I was a little worried that you'd become like one of those Wells aliens. Hmm. I don't know what Wells aliens are well, in this world. We'll There's find probably out. Probably a database on it. I oh, know. right. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sure there is a well. Uh, so um, she goes back to the bridge, and they're having some kind of malfunction with a part yeah, of the ship called the working. catapult. And uh, she agrees or, or uh, volunteers to go down and have a look at it, um, being somebody who has the technical know how to, I guess, you know, fix that. Um, so they, they tell her to, you know, go down there and check it out. Um, she approaches it, expecting what might be wrong about it, but she doesn't see anything. And so no. she turns around, starts walking away. She looks back one more time, doesn't see anything wrong, walks away. And then we start to see kind of like an electrical spark or something yeah, yeah. indicating something really is wrong with this part. Yep. A little bit of a foreshadow there. Um, so she returns to the bridge, uh, as the crew is paying a fee to make a gate jump to the motion system. So I, I guess UMN is also something you have to pay to yeah, access. There must like be a a governance. Yeah, there must be a governance. It may be a company. Who knows? Yeah, it's like you're taxed for using this sort of yeah. system for gate jumping, right? <laughs> um, so they're about to do that. Uh, then we cut again back to Ziggy and Momo, and now they're being chased again in hyperspace. In they're, hyperspace. They're in the hyperspace tunnel, and they're being pursued, yeah. um, being shot at. Uh, so as the Elsa with the crew goes into hyperspace, they're like caught from behind almost Yeah. by this battle and passed by. Um, so we quickly cut back to Xion yelling at someone about her orders being unacceptable. You remember this scene? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a guy. She ends, he ends up listening to her. Well, but I yeah, can't remember so exactly what it was there about. Was like a, there was like a receptionist that she's talking to first, and she's like freaking just screaming at this girl about yes. the orders she had been given, which are to take Cosmos to second Milsha and turn it over. Yes, and she's saying are no. totally unacceptable. <laughs> There's no way I'm yeah. doing that. So she's like, she Karens it a little bit. I want to talk <laughs> to the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And they so, seem to know each other. She yeah, knows who that guy is. They work together, yeah, I, yeah. I would assume. Um, and he basically says like, you know, like, What's the big hands. deal? You this was the plan all along. Yes, yes. So it's this is not like some out of the blue order. Right. Like from the beginning, you understood. Like once we get Cosmos online, she's to be taken to the second division, 
at that point and that they're on second Melsha. Like, right. this is where, it, this is what's supposed to happen. Like, what's your problem? And I guess because, um, because Cosmos was woken up early because of the attack, because Cosmos killed Virgil and all this stuff, um, Shion is thinking like the plans have to change, right? Yeah. We can't keep the current plan. Right. And so she's explaining that he's not accepting it. She can, she is insisting, insisting, like insisting so much that eventually he just kind of gives in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's funny. (laughs) He's just like, fine. Like, you know, uh, cause, cause she just, he'll, he'll explain it in perfectly reasonable terms. Yeah. Yeah. And then she'll just say director. And he's like, what? Like <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he'll like explain it again. And like her, anytime he kind of corners her with like yeah. this, like this is how it's supposed <laughs> to go. She just goes, but director. <laughs> and he's like, oh my gosh, like fine. Like what do you, what do you suggest? Like, right. what do you want to do? So she's just insisting something is wrong with Cosmos. Like, right. this is not normal. This is not going according to the plan. I can't turn her over yet. And if if Cosmos goes to a place with lots of people, yeah, the uh, potential collateral could be devastating. Right. Yeah. So yeah, she's insisting there is something wrong, and I have to figure that out first before yes. we can move on to. The she is day. seeing these little hints of things that are happening where she she'll make the comment like, "I didn't program that." Like, wait, how do you know this? Or where did you get that? Or how, where did you learn this? Or why are you doing yeah, this? Right. And she's saying, I didn't program that. So she's noticing that there's some there's some other hands involved in Cosmos that weren't her. And uh, that, that bothers her because she was overseeing the project. Yeah. Um, okay, so the I liked how at the end of that, though, right, Shion had been, like, totally yelling at everybody. Mm. The, the receptionist kind of comes back on, like, ooh, wow, you really, like... <laughs> Took it to him and like got your way or whatever. And she's all <coughs> nice to her now. Like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Like they knew each other, like they know each other, right? Yeah. Like it's like she friends. had worked there first and then come over to Vector, something like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> the girl on the intercom also says that she hadn't noticed Alan standing there. <laughs> I know. That was so funny. I loved that. And they're just like, you know, you just kind of have no presence, you know, like nobody notices you. Yep. I that was, at that. That was it, it's that was, it's very funny. That was funny. I mean, it's sad, but <laughs> it's the comic relief of the game, and it, right. it it works. It really worked for this scene. I felt. Yeah. Okay, so then the crew comes upon this battle with Ziggy. They yeah. run back to the bridge and everything. Uh, Ziggy's ship just kind of like like zooms right by. They they're kind of caught in the fire from the ships behind that are pursuing. And Matthews has to make a choice here about whether he wants to help or like stay like out of it. Um, and I really liked this because at first he seems to be more or less trying to be like, this isn't our business or whatever, right? Just like let it go. Yeah. But what happens is, is that reinforcements like continually appear. And they're shooting at his ship too. Like yes. indiscriminately. Like they're just they're just destroying stuff. Yes. And he's like, we're not going to make it out. Yeah. So he just gets pissed. Yeah. Yep, yep, <laughs> and yep. he's just like, <clears throat> fine. Like, uh, you know. We'll, oh, it's great. We'll, we'll get involved here. So they kind of start shooting down some of these ships to uh, help Ziggy out. Um, but Ziggy's ship does take a, a hard hit, like a direct hit. Yeah. It sends it tumbling towards kind of the hyperspace wall where they, you know, he he's hitting it and, he, and he's sort of like accepting death at this point for I don't know how many times he's done this. At this right, point, yeah. If we think back to, you know, last episode and everything we learned about him. But Momo kind of does too. It's like they right. both kind of just like, oh, you tried well, your best. This like, might be it. Um, 
gosh, what would happen to someone along the lines of Momo who doesn't maybe do 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 realians need oxygen? It's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's like are they bodies or are they mostly bo- robots? I think the bigger issue is if you get ejected into hyperspace and you fall through that you wall, just, you like cease to exist in you're real shredded space into or a trillion atoms. Okay, um, sure, gotcha. <laughs> oh, but um, I was thinking maybe the reason why they're so calm is because both of them can technically survive in space. Yes, sort I of. I think so. Yeah, um, but they get rescued at the last second. Uh, they get grabbed by. The Elsa and yes, kind of brought on, but the, the Elsa door. can't close, and so you have this battle. Yeah, there's like <laughs> a there's like a malfunction with the door. I think it's the catapult, is what they were called. That is the um, thing that malfunction that she was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, going to fix, and so they can't close the deck. Um, there's some kind of electrical problem, so uh, they get in safely, but uh, so do the enemies. So Ziggy Momo get in, yeah. but some enemies get in as well. And so the kind of the setup for this action scene, and it's pretty long. Like there's a lot of battles. There's a lot of like the the parties are separate and you control this one for a while. Then you control this one for a while until they rendezvous and then they fight together um, as you're just fighting a bunch of dudes. The idea is that there's some kind of like um, generator. What was the actual term uh, that they used? Uh, yeah, so once they actually meet up, Ziggy explains that the enemy's fleet mothership has a transport unit. So the enemies will just keep on coming until oh. the mothership is destroyed. Okay. So it's like you're going to have endless waves of enemies attacking you because there is a ship here that's like, I guess, teleporting basically more ships. Oh, into hyperspace? Into that's hyperspace. Crazy. That's some That's some really crazy technology Jeez, right there. Jeez, man. Wow. <laughs> so... Anyway, it's you just until they destroy that mothership. So that's kind of the whole scenario of the action sequence. Yeah. They got to destroy that ship so that the enemies will stop like showing up and in, in endless waves to chase them. Um, did you take any notes during like that section? It's because I mean it's a long section of the game, so it took a, a little while to get through. But I I, I don't have, have many notes. I don't have many notes. No, it was interesting. That. It was fun. A hyperspace battle is pretty cool. I don't yeah. know that I've heard of that much in yeah sci-fi. So that's fun. Yeah. Um, so my next note is, um, once everyone is safe, we get a scene in the mess hall where Shion yes. asks about whether Momo came from the Mizrahi labs mm-hmm. and Momo answers that yes, uh, she, she did and nearly says that she's a 100 series unit, yes. but so catches herself. She does this multiple times in this conversation. She'll start talking and then she'll look at Ziggy yeah. and Ziggy will nod or, you know. Yeah, he, like it's so funny. They have this, um, this like trust, this this relationship that is, uh, it's not just superficial in that they only have known each other for twenty minutes or however long that they've been together, right? An hour or two, right? It's like she really trusts him a lot, and she's relying on him to know whether or not she's allowed to say what she's going to say, yeah, right? And they're they just they're they they seem really fun together. Yeah. Like they seem like a brother sister, just like a combo that was, you know, yeah. made made for each other. They've they've done a really good job of kind of establishing that like um bond or connection between yeah. them, even though they've just recently met. It's, exactly. it's still very convincing. I think so. Yeah. And especially with Ziggy that she gave him his little puppy name and yes, he calls right. her by her 
you know, the special name for her dad. Yeah. And they kind of know each other's past, but they can relate in, a, in an interesting way. Because while they may have opposite problems that he's trying to escape being human and she's trying to become more human, um, they understand. It's almost like for the same reasons, right? Like they understand each other really well, yeah. but their conclusions are opposite. But right. they have this like, they, it, you know, the, it, it kind of like connects them together that they both have this, I don't feel right. Yeah. You know, with whatever's going on in, in my body. Uh, I'm not comfortable in my own yes. skin or with my own sort of like species identity. Yes. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, species identity. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to call it, but they're, yeah. they're not comfortable with who they are. They want to be something else. Right. And if right. they could just swap places, that'd be perfect. Yeah, seriously. Um. So anyway, she, she kind of catches herself, uh, but... yeah. Uh, Shion knows all about the 100 series units and she even brings up so you're a 100 series observer she, she tells him you don't have to be worried about talking to me about this stuff like you're, you're right. fine you're safe yeah, yeah. but then she says so you're a 100 series observational unit from the Mizrahi lab a Hilbert equipped model right so Shion mm. is aware Shion knows that there's 100 series operational units that were equipped with this Hilbert effect hmm. so Shion knows all about her so while while Momo is special among the 100 series, um, she isn't the only 100 series. Yes, it seems like there are I others. Think so. Yeah, but well, she's just special for a, there's something special about her that we don't know right. 100% yet, but she's not it's not the fact that she's a 100 series that makes her special. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was that other girl that we saw very briefly at the end of their escape sequence. Yeah, it was looked who just looked like her. Just like Momo. Yeah, maybe I'm different assuming hair. Assuming another 100 series unit. That's what I'm. However, assuming. yes, I think you're right in saying that there's something special, uh, in particular, about her. Because why would they be so intent on capturing her? Yes. If they have another one. And it's like, I want unit. what's in your head, right? So it's the wide the data. The person in her head, yeah. It's and the that's, wide data that so, they're after. Yeah. So she's a special 100 series. I was yeah. assuming that, oh, the 100 series is a new prototype. She doesn't seem to be a prototype. She, it's, it's a different situation going yeah. on. Also, Cosmos is a waitress. She's just walking around serving people food. And yes. That, that's just great. Great use of the most powerful atomic bomb ever invented by mankind. It's like, hey, give me a, give me a Coke. One Coke, please. Hold the ice. Root beer float, dude. Yeah, root beer float. Hit me up. <laughs> and then um, um, Shion also mentions the insignia on Momo's clothes and says, oh, that's the Mizrahi lab. Oh, right. So that's what that sign means, right? It, right. So it's, it's unique to her. But well, it's not it's not unique to her. It does say a lot about her, but it's going to also be applicable to the labs as a whole, to whatever the labs are doing, yeah, whatever right. their goal is. Yeah. Um, they also find out as they they're talking to them that that Momo and Ziggy are also on yeah. the way to Second Milcher. So we're all going they're to the all, same place. Yeah. How convenient, right? Very convenient. It's everything's kind of converging. Yeah. So first, before they go there, they have to stop by a nearby dock colony for yeah. repairs and refueling. Uh, they were just in a battle and they took some hits. Yeah. So, um, so they're going to stop there first. Um, Shion takes Zimmy and Momo on a tour of the ship. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Remember fun. that part? Yeah, yeah that's fun. Uh, the only thing that I really wanted to take note of from those conversations as mm. they were going from room to room and talking, there was, there was a couple things that stood out to me. Um, so Momo is asking about whether Cosmos has dreams or what kind of dreams she has. She says, after being active, uh, for a set amount of time, she sleeps here. This is, um, Shion speaking. 
mm. um, and her data is uploaded to the company headquarters. I can also feed back the activity data to update the OS. And this is where Momo says, so Cosmos sleeps too. And uh, Shion says, yes, even if I disconnected her from the outside world, her central nervous or her central systems remain active. And uh, Momo's response to that is, I wonder what kinds of dreams she sees. Mm. Um, the only reason that sticks out to me is because having played Xenogears, uh, yeah. Carl Jung and, and dream interpretation, Dreams, Freud, and, yeah, yeah, yep, all that. That's that's all sort of like something I could foresee maybe being topics they'll dive into a little bit here. Where does Cosmos go when she sleeps? I don't know if this is a mystery they're really setting up or if it's just an offhanded comment from an ignorant little girl reality in 100 series unit. That's a it's a great question though. I mean, but, especially as it relates to something like artificial intelligence, like yeah. What will it dream about? Right. Like, what's it doing when we think it's not watching or when right. we're not watching it, right? Right. It's doing something. Yeah. Because dreams dreams aren't just uh, random events. They're purposeful. Like, there's a reason why we dream at night. It's not just for no reason, right? And uh, yeah. Carl Jung's idea about dreams in general is that it's like a personal myth. So he would assume, he would say that um, a myth is a culture's collective dream. That's yes. what Carl Jung would say. Because wasn't his theory you, you basically tap into the collective unconscious Something when you like dream? that. Yes, yeah. exactly. And everybody kind of brings, unconsciously brings their dreams um, to each other when they, in just normal conversation. They'll give hints and ideas and symbols and things just without even realizing it that right. other people then take. And then when they dream that night, then they'll have those types of things will be in their dreams. Right. It's, a, it's something that spreads and it's like, a, it's a evolutionary thing that goes way back in, in nature. <clears throat> but also, if you can assume that a dream, uh, a collective dream is something like a myth, because that those are the symbols that make sense for all these people that live together, then um, an individual dream would be like kind of a personal myth, mm-hmm. right? Like your own kind of story that you live in and yeah. that, that uh, you know, comes into your dreams and that is kind of... Um, gives you a little bit of an intuition as to the purpose, your purpose. Why, why are you doing uh, anything, yeah. right? And then the dream kind of lets you intuit that a little bit through your subconscious. But if, if give me a sec, Cosmos. If Cosmos is dreaming, then it means that she is like living in a story, basically. That mm. there's like, there's, there's, there's a myth, there's an archetype, there's a, there's a hero's journey that's sure. going on at night that, you know, people tend not to be maybe as so much aware of, but that she will be acting in accordance with some type of purpose, not necessarily just according to her programming, because the dreams will slowly develop into something that uh, resembles a story. Yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know if that's where this is going, but that's the idea between... I don't either, but I just had a feeling as... I had a feeling that line was not just a throwaway line from a uh, sort of childlike or naive character. Oh, does the robot dream? I, felt I like, think it's a big deal. I felt like they were going, or they're hinting, foreshadowing yeah. going somewhere with, when Cosmos goes into the maintenance bed, something important is happening. Sure. When she's connected to, I'm guessing, the UMN. Yes. And receiving new data, having access to the system. Yeah, that's right. Uh, collective unconscious sort of, you know, access there's yeah. something i feel like there's something there i think but so we'll have to wait and see i guess but. i think so just the fact that momo even asked is like mo does momo dream 
that's a good question. Like, I too. didn't even think of this question, but as soon as she mentions it, I'm like, that's a that's a deep question, man. Yeah. That's a deep question. Like, do yeah. do do ants dream? Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Do, what what does and does not dream? It's a good question. And then as it relates to uh, maybe an artificial made person, do they dream, right? Mm. And if if the answer is yes, then that's difficult for whoever programmed them. Yes. <laughs> because dreams w- dreams is basically programming. You're programming yourself, right? You will start to learn behaviors and you will start to become programmed in your dreams in a way that the programmers don't have any input in. Right. Right. So you'll start to come up with your own stuff and you're making connections and seeing these things and um, that's dangerous for yeah. something as powerful as Cosmos, for sure. Right. So that's the end of my notes for this week. Um, I yeah. think we're going to try to get through more game per episode moving forward. Yeah. Um, we've kind of gotten through like the, the big intro sequences. I, I think, think so. Although the very next cutscene after we stopped here is just that? brand new characters and brand <laughs> oh, <great>. new storylines, <laughs> brand new everything. We get a, a, introduced to the Dur- Dur- Durandel. Yeah. So, I mean, this game is serving as kind of act one of a three-act story, I guess. So yeah, yeah. This is going to be mostly introduction world building. There's going to be kind like of for a, the whole a lot to chew on. And, but yeah. I, I, I'm hoping we can move through a little faster. I'm just going to look real quickly through our Patreon uh, live stream comments here as we wrap up. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, um, we are live streaming these as we record them now. Yeah. And our $10... Uh, plus patrons can um, they're invited to a private live stream where they get to view these as we are uh, recording them and they can ask us questions and we're not always going to get to them but in this case I think we have a little time to kind of look at some of the comments and see if we can respond to some people okay so this is from Aiden Uzuki the database is pretty integral Uh, same with the third game the Species Preservation, Pre- Preservation Act came after the life recycling law, or rather because of the life recycling law. So the Life Recycling mm. Act or Life Recycling Law was the bad one. The Species Preservation Act is what addressed that. Okay. Uh, I know we had touched on that earlier. I'm sure that we uh, maybe misspoke about which one I, was which or something I probably like that. Did. Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> um, oh, he's talking about the archetype. So this is Aiden again. Uh, this early cosmos is called the archetype instead of a prototype, interestingly enough. So we were talking oh. about different archetypes. Is this the oh, same see, archetype as before? So that's, that's the word I was thinking of. I was thinking in my brain prototype. Prototype. But no, archetype is not the same word. So okay. he's saying that the early cosmos, the, the one that slaughtered everybody, was called the archetype. Mm. So that's interesting. Well, archetypes are... The book that Carl Jung's big breakthrough work is called Archetypes of the Collective Unconscious. So talking about Cosmos being part of the collective unconscious in some way, I mean, there you go, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Drake Chandler says, I guess it's easy for them to laugh off, but they're hitting on every point of why I hate Shion. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. I don't think she's that bad. I don't. I, I can see why someone would feel that way to a person like her in real life. Yeah. Because she she seems to not be very socially aware. She seems to be condescending. She seems to be um, not very uh, tactful. Sure, sure. From, from time to time. It's not to a degree that makes me, like, irritated enough to hate her yet. Not yet. 
But there are a lot of people that don't like this character. So, I mean, there's an example right there, I guess. Um, let's see. Oh, Drake goes on to explain. For me, it wasn't her inability to relate with people, but Kaysen hit it when he thought Shion wouldn't, uh, would have, or would be more shook up about Cosmos's atrocities. That she should be, or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. seem to be... She was when it happened, but she's just... I guess she's she... She's passed it now, right? She, okay, so we haven't played the game these people have. Right. I seemed... I got the impression from the scene where Cosmos killed Virgil mm. that Shion showed an adequate level of shock, disgust... Yes. ...there. At the moment, yes. Where it doesn't come through is when she's talking to Alan about don't cry over spilled milk, <laughs> right? Yes, yes, so yes. it's like, it doesn't jive. And I feel yeah. like it's just that she's kind of an awkward person more so than it is that she's heartless or, um, you know, that she doesn't care about these right. people or something like that, right? Drake says Ziggy Momo is uh, my favorite relationship in the series. I like it so far. It's, it's just a brother-sister thing. It's fun. The foundation of it so far is really good. And I, yeah, I was I yeah. was going to say that earlier. This is my favorite. These are my favorite characters in the game so far, these two. Mm. I really like their dynamic together. Um, Aiden says, I like how if you talk to Cosmos while she's washing dishes on the Elsa... She's washing the dishes. Uh, put her to work, man. Put her to work. She says that the power output has to be precise to do it. Oh, so she doesn't break it? Yes. Does she smash the dishes? <laughs> I like that. That's funny, man. That's great. <laughs> well, there's a couple of parts. Um, like right, right before they go to fight uh, during the attack, like right when they're trying to save Ziggy and Momo, yeah. I remember she's saying, um, Shion tells her, like, reduce her power on purpose. Yeah, so that you don't shoot through the, the hole. Right, so you don't right. shoot holes in the ship, which will just kill everyone. Right. So she's like, "Yeah, I'll put, I'll drop down to thirty percent." Right. Yeah, thirty yeah. percent is the number she gives. So yeah, that was interesting. So she's doing that even for tasks as menial as yes. washing dishes. She's <laughs> got to be very precise about her power output, or otherwise yeah. she'll destroy stuff. Um, Chris Gewen says, "Do androids dream of electric sheep?" That's a book I still haven't read yet. I oh, really is that a book? Want to read it. Yeah, it's oh. like it's one of those classic sci-fi novels. Um, interesting. So yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I got to like download that book and read it. <laughs> well, um, okay. So Aiden, you might need to, if you're still here, explain what you mean by this. He says, these kinds of conversations are part of the reason that I get upset when people say Xenosaga has nothing to offer. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I've never met anybody who says that, but I mean, I'm not doubting that well, that, that happens. It's just, I, I've had a couple of people who have expressed to me some sort of, um, it seems to be an anxiety, mm. probably from like Xeno Gears purists or oh, right. uh, elitists, right? People but, who just wish that that story could have continued sure. instead, of, instead of this new one. Yeah, Sure, that, you know, Xeno Saga, they, they sort of denigrate Xeno Saga. I guess, I, guess yeah. I did get that a little bit, a sense of that a little bit from... Um, not, not, not to the extent that he's talking about, but I could see why people might get nervous about us coming to that conclusion because of how, like Pat Holloman and um, the guys from Retrograde Amnesia talked about Xenosaga towards the end of our Xenogus podcast. They oh. clearly they don't love it. Oh, okay, right, or, oh, or they I have see. problems with it, or they have criticisms, or there are certain things about it that bother them. I don't remember that actually. And so huh. um, I think that. Some I can see where people are coming from. Where there there may be people who are, I'm not saying 
Pat or the, the retro, guy, retro gay guys are. I'm saying I, I can see where there might be some people who just, you know, crap on Xenosaga and if this right. isn't as good as Xenogears for X, Y, and Z reason and it's, you know, it's got nothing to offer or whatever it might be. But uh, I'm not finding that to be the case. No, I, I actually really like the game so far. And while Xenogears might be like a top five game for me, <laughs> like ever, um, that doesn't mean that Xenosaga can't, you know, still be a very, very, very good game despite sure. not being top five. Like it just, it, it's it's almost irrelevant when you just compare it, when you compare the games to each other. Sure. Especially if one was super good and the other one was only really good. It's like, okay, but that doesn't mean it's bad, right? Anyways, yeah. I'm right. liking the game so far. I like it a lot. I do too. Like... I have Xenoblade 3 sitting in my Switch right now. Oh, do you? And um, <laughs> I was just talking to, I think it was Mozzie here the other day on Patreon live streams on our, on our Discord uh-huh. channel, private Discord channel. He's like, uh, Mike, have you, have you played more of it? And I was like, no, I haven't. And he's like, Mike, come on, like, you've got to play it. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, and I sat down last night specifically because I had the conversation to play a little bit more Xenoblade. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 found, oh, I found that... Um, I just wanted to play Xenosaga instead. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, really? I just I hey, wanted to. I, how about I'm that? kind of hooked into Xenosaga right now. The story is very fascinating. And it's I, getting deeper and deeper, and I'm starting to really, really want to know the answer to these mysteries. Yeah, and so because I'm already sort of invested the energy into these hooks at the yeah. moment, like I'm not ready to sort of like get new ones for a new yeah. game yet. Like yeah, I sure. kind of have to see this one through first. I feel like yeah. before I can really jump into Xenoblade Three. So, mm. um, anyway, I, I, I mean, I'm, that's, that's to say, I guess, long, in a long-winded way, I, I really like what we're playing so far. I, I'm enjoying Xenosaga quite a lot. Uh, Aiden is saying, yeah, there are people that like Xenogears only, and I don't think any of these games are, about, are, are above criticism, but I don't think these games contain nothing of value. Yeah. Exactly, that's the point. Anybody who says Xenosaga yeah. contains nothing of value is just straight-up trolling. There's no reason to think that. Yeah. That's, I mean, just on the on the premise that it's going to be going over a lot of the same themes as Xenogears, it doesn't have nothing to offer. Right. For especially for people who have not played Xenogears before and they played Xenosaga first. Oh, exactly. It's like, yeah. It's got tons to offer. It's it's a crazy sentiment, crazy thing to say. Yeah. Um. Okay, Dude McGuy is saying, I think a lot of the aversion to Xenosaga is the pacing with very long scenes with so much exposition. Yeah, but we don't mind that so much. Not only that. Not in this book club, we don't. Why are people upset about it here, but like everybody loves Metal Gear Solid so much? Mm. It's not like, Hmm. I mean, would you say the cutscenes in this game are like significantly longer than Metal Gear Solid? Well, I mean, the game's longer, but... Every now and then, you do get a cutscene that asks you to save in the middle of it, and then you yeah. get more cutscenes. I don't know that that happened in Metal Gear, yeah. but, like, for the most part, no. For the most part, it's just a ton of dialogue back and forth. Now, this game, Metal Gear is just a shorter game. Yeah. But in terms of, like, percentage-wise, yeah, I think the ratio is about the same. It's it's at least close. It's at least comparable. Like, yeah. And nobody, like, well, people complain about it when we get to, like, Metal Gear Solid 4, but I'm talking about the original <laughs> Metal Gear Solid, yeah, one. which everybody loves, right? Everybody yeah. loves Metal Gear Solid. No one complains about the long cutscenes. They think it's awesome. Yet, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe the problem isn't the length of the cutscenes. It's, is this interesting enough to justify being as long as it is? I sure. would say yes so far. I've, I've oh, not yeah, had a absolutely. problem with it at all. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how long this game is, though. <laughs> 
Um, At the moment, it's great. He goes on to say, though Xenogears doesn't always have the best gameplay story pacing either, but (laughs) you feel slow pacing more in games with voice acting because the scenes take longer. Yeah, that's true, actually. That's a good point. Yeah. So it feels like it's dragging because you have to listen. That's a good point. Um, Aiden saying, I feel like you'll appreciate Xenoblade 3 even more after you beat Xenosaga. That's the reason good. why I want to do it because mm-hmm. I love the, the I, I love in particular Xenoblade Chronicles 1. And yeah. so I would love to get through Xenosaga as a series on this podcast before we touch Xenoblade games because hmm. I feel like I will have kind of a renewed perspective on them after having beaten the Xeno Pantheon that came before. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, okay, I'll take this last question and then we'll wrap up. This comes from Karnak. How are you enjoying the tone of the soundtrack? I really enjoy Mitsuda's work on this one, and it supplements the story quite well. Um, I, don't I think know, how it's do you good, but it? I don't have a ton of notes on the soundtrack yeah. itself. I, I am kind of missing a lot of it because I'm just not. It's not. Here you go. It's not getting in the way. Yes. It's not yeah. becoming obnoxious. Yes. Like it's actually, it sits in the perfect place to where I don't actually notice it, but it does its job and that I feel the emotions, right? Sure. Um, but at the moment, I don't really have much to comment on that. Yeah. I kind of feel the same. Um, I was just listening to it a little more closely because I was editing the episode that's going to be going up next week. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I downloaded a, the soundtrack and I'm kind of listening to it. And there are certain tracks I think are really, really good. Like um, the music during like the Gnosis attack sequence, oh, I yeah, think is yeah. really excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, the the very beginning game, like the opening FMV cutscene, like the music there is very mm. cinematic and cool. And um, then there will be a track like here or there that'll just like really almost like nails on a chalkboard almost like just like sting my ears like the battle i just don't like the battle music at all i got you i really don't like it and there are other people Mm. who in in discord and in the comments oh i love this one it's great and blah 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 and i don't know it's just it's not it's not for me i just don't like this battle and 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 that's too bad it's really too bad when that track in an RPG happens to be the one you Because don't like. it's the one you'll it's, hear. You'll hear the most. Yeah, almost like <laughs> half of the game, will, that's what the track that will be playing. And, and, it's, and it's even made worse by the fact that there is no unique boss music. Boss, There's no secondary yeah. battle music at all. It's yeah. just that one. So that hurts yeah, the rough. soundtrack significantly for me. I would say of all Mitsuda's work that I've listened to, this is probably my least favorite, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, mm. it's not standing out to me like... Chrono Trigger, uh, certain tracks on Chrono Cross, my goodness, are they good. Like, mm. the song that plays in the ending credits of Chrono Cross, like, oh, yeah. it brings a tear to my eye, and I don't even necessarily have a special, like, affili- uh, 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 affinity for that game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I don't love Chrono Cross to death. It's good. I don't yeah. love it. But, like, when I hear that music, it's just like, dude, nice. that's good. Um, he, I, I don't like Xenoblade 2. It's no secret I don't like that game. Um I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Hmm. The soundtrack is freaking like masterful. So I love Mitsuda's work. Uh, this one I would say is, is probably not my favorite, uh, probably my least favorite of all that I've heard of his hmm. work so far. Okay. I think we're going to leave it off there. All right. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, if you, if you like the show, uh, Please uh, take a look at our Patreon or Subscribestar links in the description. Um, it, it, it allows us to keep the show going. I really like yeah. uh, kind of the direction we're moving right now because 
we have this cool thing, right? <laughs> uh, it's going to save us a lot of time in editing, and I have some plans to kind of get some some other videos back on track, and I feel like getting some momentum with the with moving the channel in the direction I want to move it. So your support is what makes that possible. So thank you to everyone who does, and if you would like, if you appreciate what we're doing, please check that out. Uh, till next week, peace out.